Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody. This is Derek Van Es with the Small Business Big Life Podcast, bringing another power-packed interview today, talking with uh, Matt State, who, as you'll come to see, is a bit of a modern samurai, and you'll find out a little bit more about him. But he's a very diverse guy, got a really, really cool story, and I think he's going to give a twist compared to a lot of our interviews. So I'm really excited to explore that and see what Matt brings to the show. So welcome to the show, Matt. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, I'm really excited for this. I have a, a side of me that definitely loves sort of the... Uh, a lot of what comes from Eastern thought and, and, you know, I know a lot of that is in martial arts. So I kind of want to hear your approach on some of the things, but before we even jump into that, uh, just tell us real quick, who are you as a, as a person, what do you do for your business and how can people get in touch with you if they find that this is just a, a beautiful interview for them? Uh, okay. I'll, I'll do a very quick overview. So <laughs> long story short, I, uh, as a young man, I struggled quite a bit with a lot of violence, a lot of bullying. There was violence in the home. None of that was very good. My father committed suicide when I was in my teenage years. Um, I then found martial arts and that was my savior. I was definitely taking a wrong path, shall we say. Heavily got into martial arts to a world champion level. So uh, run my own gym now. And spent many years working as a nightclub bouncer and a doorman, moved through that to event management, to management level and, and, and that side of things itself. Um, gave up all that at one point to just jump out myself and decide I wanted to write books. I wanted to live the life that I wanted to have. I now do social media. I now deliver uh, tra training for people on how to use TikTok for business. I'm TikTok famous for want of a better description. I've written a number <laughs> of books. And, uh, and yeah, the world is an interesting place. Right now, I've gone back to school after leaving at 16 with no education to do a master's degree. So that's a very, a very quick overview. Wow. A lot, a lot to unpack there. And we're going to do that. But before we do, if, if people love what you have to say or connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out, find more, connect with you? Uh, how do they do that? Yeah. The, the easiest ways are obviously the social media channels, the same for everybody. So if you put Matt State into any of the usual suspects, you will find me. So that's S-T-A-I-T that's on the screen there. Also, you can use Modern Samurai, which is the name of my gym and my first book. So either of those, you should be able to uh, find what I'm doing at the moment. Perfect. So uh, as all of our listeners know, the first question I always like to ask is, if you were to give like that golden piece of advice to your little brother, your little sister, your best friend, they're in business, they're a couple of years behind you, uh, and it's something you figured out or, or advice you were given, what would you share with them? 
Um, actually, it would probably be two if that's okay. I know it's stretching it a little bit, but they they have equal value. So the one is just uh, having a really good work ethic, um, not quitting, and just you know, you know get your head down and just 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 believe it's going to happen and keep working towards that is the first thing. And the second thing is get the right people around you. That's incredibly important. And I took far too long to understand that myself. And, and I wish that that's a lesson that I had been given many, many years previously. It would have saved me a lot of heartache in the longer run. Yeah. So so tell me a little about that lesson of getting the right people around you. This is something that's come up before building a team, you know, having people loyal to you. These This is a real theme. How did you, how do you go about that now versus how you started? What have, what have you figured out? I know you're probably not perfect, but uh, no, I'm clearly not perfect. I'm afraid <laughs> it's, it's that's a challenge we can only aspire to. Um, well, the first thing was was when I started the martial arts journey itself, because that was really where I first found what I like to call that positive energy, as in that can-do energy. That that instead of seeing a problem, you know, seeing a solution. And so mm. that was a really interesting one because up until that point, I'd I'd, I'd lived in a world where no, you can't do something was the norm. And you're mm. expected to live a very sort of small life in a, in a lot of ways. And that's not to disrespect anybody or do anything down, but it, but it's quite a small existence. And if you wanted to do something outside of that norm, then that was usually poo-pooed from a great height quite quickly with the yeah. words, no, you can't. So, um, so it was very strange to go into a martial arts environment where actually people were saying, do you know what? Yes, you can. And, mm. and so the first challenge, you know, I wanted to get a black belt and, and it was, well, of course you can, as long as you work hard enough and you put the effort in and you do, you do the grind and you learn and you're dedicated, you know, it will happen. And so then it was, well, okay, now I want to succeed in competition or I want to do this. And it was the same, the same value system. It was, well, if you want to do it and you put your mind to it, it can be achieved. And so that was the first steps into that. And then as you go forward, again, I'm sure, you know, this doesn't have to be said because I'm sure most people understand that. If you spend your time in and around successful people that are actually making things happen, it's impossible to lie to yourself and say, I can't do that because it's being done right underneath your nose. And that is, that's a really unusual place to be because it's so easy for us and comfortable for us to, to actually say, oh, we can't do that, but it's not our fault. You know, it's it's the fault of the weather or the situation or sure. where we are, you know, to actually sit there in, in, in amongst lots of successful people doing it and saying we've taken responsibility really makes you have to look at yourself and just accept that, you know, the reason it's not happening, if it's not happening, is because you're not making it happen. I've definitely had that experience, you know, uh, with with jobs or different things where it's like, hey, the guy next to me is doing it. We're right here in the same office. We're in the same, have the same resources, all the other stuff. And this person's being successful and I'm not. And uh, yeah, it does cause you, especially when you're struggling to redouble your efforts or, or set the bar a lot higher. So uh, great advice. And I appreciate you digging a little deeper on that. So Matt, you've obviously been on a, a pretty serious journey here. Um, you were working in the corporate world. You were doing martial arts on the side. What, tell me a little bit about what caused you to finally be able to say, okay, I'm going to do this full time. You mentioned the, the idea that like, I'm going to start doing or creating the life that I want. How did that come about for you? And what did you do about it? Uh, well, 
the, the, again, the journey started. I actually worked on building sites for many years doing manual labor. I worked as a, as a house painter, as a decorator mm. for a very long time. And then, of course, I was working nights in bars and clubs, bouncing and, and working in security. So uh, that was my life for a very long time. And then I, I transitioned through into, uh, into the management system of the company and ended up as operations manager with uh, mm. the, the, the stuff that comes with that through, through you know, application and hard work. And um, and that led us to a situation where I had the full time gym. I had the full time role as operations manager. Um, I had an urge to write and an urge to uh, to try and, and try and, and try and push for a life that I wanted to have. And I and I had to really sort of look at myself and decide which had the most value at that point, the, the security mm-hmm. that. The security of not having to check my bank balance to make sure the bills were paid and knowing that that was a regular thing that was going to happen weighed against the financial insecurity, but the opportunities that then become presented to you when you free up all that time, mental and emotional energy. And so I made that decision and took that leap after many sleepless nights. (laughs) Um, I've been there. Yeah, and decided that actually I I wanted to be in a situation where when I woke up in the morning, it was to be greeted with a day that I wanted to have. Mm. Mm. So that was there a specific instance? Like, did you have a moment or was this something you really decided upon over time and planned out? I know for some people, it's just like, you know what, I had this day and that was it. Or what, what really yeah. prompted that for you? Because I feel like a lot of people teeter on the edge of the cliff. And they just need something to push them off. I just wonder if that happened for you. I, I think most people do have that defining moment, don't they, where something significant happens. And uh, for me, it was an accumulation for, for, for a lot of it. It was just that, that that those tiny little things, one on top of the other. And then mm. there was the obvious straw that broke the camel's back. And so um, I was actually, I hadn't had a a day off or a weekend off or any time to myself in over three years. I hadn't had a New wow. Year's Eve or Christmas Eve off in over 13 years. And I was actually at a friend's wedding where I had made it absolutely clear that I was to be out of the loop for the entire weekend uh, and unavailable. And I found my phone constantly going. And that was where I sort of made the decision that, you know what, I wasn't this wasn't going to be a long-term solution to, you know, I didn't want to be tied to that phone for the next 20 years just to be, uh, just to be reasonably comfortable. Mm -hmm. I didn't, that trade-off wasn't good enough for me. Yeah. I think there's a, a a famous quote by Benjamin Franklin that says something to the extent that those who would sacrifice freedom for security deserve neither. Right. And it's it's this idea that a lot of people will give up their their freedoms for the security, like you were talking about, right? The paycheck, but it comes with I'm tied to this phone or I'm I'm at the beck and call of of someone else. And that's that's a really pivotal moment. Um, I think I was lucky because I I kind of recognized that early on. My father had his own business, so I was able to see the freedom that he had. And certainly he was beholden to his contractors and other people who he worked for, but not any you know, any one of them wasn't all of his business. So he didn't have like a, a boss. He could at any point decide, you know what, I don't want to work with these people anymore and, and walk away. And that was always a real powerful thing to me. So it sounds like you had a, a similar idea of like, you know what, I don't want anybody to own me. 
I really want to be able to make my own way in the world. And um, yeah, so I, I appreciate you sharing that because I think there are a lot of people out there listening who are, who are teetering on the brink and they're frustrated. And I have a lot of clients who have done this, you know, who, who had a side business or whatever, and they were kind of afraid to make that jump, but there does come a, a breaking point. I guess everybody has to decide. I just try and tell people if you can wait until your, uh, your day job is costing you more than it's making you. I know that's an ideal scenario, but you know, once it's taking up enough time that it's really holding you back from the thing you want to create. Um, but you know, a lot of us impatience gets the best of us and we, we have to jump a little bit. So tell us once you made that jump and you said, okay, this is it. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to start doing the studio full time. Um, how, how did that go for you? What was that transition like, especially emotionally, but, uh, but how did you figure it out and really make it happen? Well, I, um, <laughs> as I said, I had quite a few sleepless nights. I then invested all of my savings into a full-time martial arts facility that I decked out and prepared and made totally usable and functional uh-huh. and some, you know, quite a substantial cost. Um, but, but I was, I was working on the premise that I had enough to get me through, through the first few months to build the business and I had enough so that I wasn't beholding to anybody. I wasn't in debt. I didn't have to look to the bank for permission as an example or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I was lucky in the, in the sense that, the, that I could do that. And so that was the first thing. And the second thing was, was really just being, being very aware of what I wished for, because that's something that is <laughs> the, the responsibility that comes with that is actually kind of terrifying because all those excuses that, that that I was hiding behind previously suddenly were stripped away. And the, and, and, and the whole success or failure thing now was 100% and is 100% on my shoulders. And the fact that we're now a few years into that journey and, and, and I'm a bit more established in lots of ways and I've got various other things going on, but you, you look at the world and the way the world is right now, we're, it, we're all just completely um, being, being sort of pushed around and having to pivot and having to re-understand the world on a daily basis. And, and mm-hmm. so it's, you know, it doesn't, it, that responsibility doesn't go away. It's, that's just a constant now, the responsibility of failure being on my own shoulders. That's quite a, that's quite a thing. Yeah. Well, I've heard it said that uh, voluntary or maximum voluntary responsibility is, is sort of the path to happiness and fulfillment. Like the more you take on that, you actually want to take on that you choose to take on, you know, with the pandemic, we're not necessarily getting to choose that, but with what you're talking about, taking on the responsibility of, Hey, this is my studio and I'm going to, I've chosen to take this on and, and really build a dream and help people and do the things that I do. Uh, that's actually where fulfillment comes from. I was a, a purpose coach for many business owners for about five or six years and a lot of that was was around people just really taking responsibility because when they get transactional about it or they forget why they started in the first place, it gets it gets hard because businesses are a lot of work, right? And you have yep. to you really have to enjoy it and care about it and feel like it matters. So I want to get your take on this um, as you were going through this process. Obviously, lots of sleepless nights, building a business, totally unsure what's going to happen. Um, how did your martial arts training come in? Where, how did that impact your mindset? What are some of the tools you were able to use to kind of get through that? Um, 
Well, if I can first just go back a second to something you mentioned just a moment ago, which is it will. Sure. Um, this isn't just a sort of business decision. This is a life decision that I made, and and it was it was it was very much a I am going to try and take the biggest bite out of it that I can on every level. So, I mean, you know, at forty seven, I decided to do a world championships with three months notice and competed <laughs> and won a gold medal. You know that. Um, writing a book every year going back to university well not going back because i never went in the first instance but now going into higher education and things so it's it's a it's an overall decision not just a business decision uh-huh. with regards to the, the the martial arts side of it and the lessons learned well obviously there's very much the work ethic um and one of the things that i absolutely love about martial arts and and it's consistent and that is, regardless of who you are, what color you are, where you've been, what your sexuality is, what your financial position is in the world, all of that is absolutely irrelevant when you put on that gi or uniform, whatever it is in your style, and you step onto those mats for the first time. You are a blank slate and you are judged from that moment on. And it's your actions and it's your behaviors that dictate how you are treated. Uh-huh. Um, and that is that fundamentally that's a that's an amazing opportunity because you know you 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 start the same as everybody else and it's on your shoulders and so that was a that, that that's a great a great lesson in life because um you 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 again you stand or you fall on your own on, on the way that you approach the situation and that coupled with hard work, dedication, and those little victories. And again, I'm sure that again, I, I don't have to say this to you, you know this those little victories, those little stepping stones, every time you get one of those and you put that in front of you in your pathway and you step on that and start doing the next one, it's that that just builds that armor, that just builds that resilience, that just builds that confidence in your ability to actually get through those challenges. And so by, you know, by doing that, every time you do that and that little success comes your way, that just builds for the next one. Yeah. 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 I, I find, uh, a phrase I love is confidence comes from doing right. Mm. And I'm, I imagine I, I haven't practiced martial arts, but I certainly have had workout programs and other things that really pushed me as far as I could go. And, and what I loved about those pre pandemic was be, going in and literally every day I did more than I thought I was capable of. And I think um, it really speaks to the power of clarity when you're clear on like, what are the steps to get to that next belt? We can literally we can go way higher and achieve way more than we think. And I think so often with business, don't you wish you just had like a step-by-step, like here's how you get to black belt business, right? Like check, 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 check. Um, things get a little bit more hazy, but, but I think it's, it's cool what you're saying, because I think a lot of us don't get a chance to test ourselves with a blank slate. We're always got other things going on in our lives or other excuses or other things we can look to, but there's really power. And, and I think people want to prove themselves. I think people want to do hard things and know that they can do them. It sounds like you you guys really offer that opportunity, which is which is super cool. So, um, so obviously, go ahead. Be, sorry, I was going to say that that doesn't have to be martial arts. That was just my that was just the sure. way that I chose to to do that. It, it can be whatever it whatever it is that challenges the individual. But as you rightly pointed out, there whatever it is that makes you really dig deep inside of yourself mm-hmm. and push past what you think your limitations are that then travels and that then applies into everything in your life so once you've achieved it in whatever field that that you want to take that road in 
once you've achieved that, then then you know how to apply that elsewhere. It, there's there's a there's a map. You've done uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And that's that's really one of the huge, huge values from uh, from the martial arts training was was that very lesson was the fact that I'm capable of far more than I give myself credit for. We all are. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience with uh, this is going to sound funny, but with ballroom dancing, uh, when I was in college, I had a chance to study under the amateur world champion uh, for four years and to, to see what it took to be a world champion, right? The discipline, the detail, the reps, all of that. I, I truly came to believe that everybody should master one skill at least, because once you understand what it takes to master something, it like raises your bar all the way across the board, right? I feel like people who have never had a level of mastery at something don't really get what goes into it. So they're like not able to, like you talked about, translate it over to the rest of their life. And I think obviously martial arts being such a disciplined thing, just like ballroom dancing is very disciplined, uh, so valuable for people, but makes, makes such a difference. So I, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's, it's an important point. And I, I encourage a lot of people find something you're passionate about and really seek out mastering that because the, the discipline and the skills that you learn just in learning how to master something translate into everything else that you're doing. So, yeah. So, so tell me about the writing, you know, to go from corporate executive or painter to corporate executive and bouncer, like that doesn't usually translate to writer. Where did that come from? What, what inspired you to start writing? And why one book a year? Uh, well, like like lots of people, I, I've always had this hankering to write a book. And w- during my professional career working in security, I, I worked in all kinds of different fields from close protection to bailiff work to uh, nightclubs and bars and things. And then I moved into actually training um, the security personnel for many years as well. So mm. I, I, I had a very good overview over a large portion of time on, on that particular industry. And lots of people would ask questions. And lots of other people had already written books on the field. But usually those books focused on the the more violent aspects, shall we say, and and, and quite often glorified that, which sure. I, I didn't, A, I didn't want to do, and B, that wasn't my experience. Um, so right, right. I wanted to answer some of those questions and write the book. So, so essentially what happened was I wrote half a book. I then put it in a drawer and spent three years telling myself that I couldn't write. I didn't deserve to write. <laughs> I left school with nothing. Who's going to listen to me? What do I know? And yeah, all yeah. those other wonderful stories that we tell ourselves. And that's and that's what happened for, for about three years. And then this is where I said to you with regards to getting around people, the right people, and so on and so forth. I was right. I was lucky enough to be chosen for a um a beta read of a of a of a what turned out to be a New York Times bestseller with a group of individuals, a very small group, with hmm. uh, with a UK multi-multi-millionaire business owner who's a very dynamic individual. And in that room, during those few days, we were locked in. We all had very severe NDAs going on. And, <laughs> you know, it was it was it was it was an interesting couple of days. But by the end of it, it had rejuvenated my belief that I actually did have something to offer. Oh, and, I could, and I sat in that room and it, and it empowered me again. So. Um, so, yeah, so I finished that book, released it. And, and to my amazement, it's went straight to number one in its Amazon niche a couple of times. Uh, lots of my 
peers brought it and said lots of wonderful things about it. And and it turned out that I enjoyed the experience thoroughly. I enjoy writing. So from that cool. point on, I, I challenged myself to write a book a year, which I've so far achieved. I've written for um, all of the major uh, magazines and, and, and article writing places within my niche. Mm-hmm. I've appeared on all the main stages in the UK. And so, um, so yeah, that writing has become something that is now embedded into what I do. So when I'm writing a book, I say, that's it. This is a must do. I'm going to do 2000 words a day regardless. Mm. And that will only end when the book is written. Well, that sounds like hard work and that sounds like discipline. Funny enough, those are working for you, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it comes back to that. Yeah, it comes back to that. Yes. But those, um, again, with, with regards to the writing, what I tend to find is a lot of people say, well, I, I don't really have anything to write, so I'm not going to write. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the very action of doing it, the very process of doing it actually helps helps you to write. So even if it's complete rubbish. So and, and that happened regularly, by the way. It wasn't all genius. Sure. In fact, in fact, I'm probably sure none of it's genius, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, there was a lot of it that was that, that that was just rubbish. And so I would metaphorically screw it up, throw it in the bin, and start again. But I did those two thousand words. I went through the process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you read the book The The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? I haven't, no, no, I haven't. Yeah, so he's he's a writer and he talks a lot about what he calls the resistance, right? The, the excuses that I need to sharpen my pencils. Oh, I need more coffee, blah, blah, blah. That every day. And, and he says, you know, artists have a tendency to think, oh, I need to be inspired. So they sit around waiting for inspiration to strike. And he said that it's, it's nearly impossible to be as effective as you need to. So what he talks about is exactly what you're saying. He says, you show up every day and you do the work. I'm a writer. I show up and I write a certain amount every day. Like you have your 2000 words. And he said, some days will be great. Some days will be terrible, but the number of great days will be exponentially higher than the, than if you don't show up every single day, because a lot of your best work comes when you're not inspired, right? Like you find a flow or you really dig in on something. Um, and a, another thing that I've heard is, is the key is to be prolific, not to, mm-hmm. not to only, focus on publishing your best work only because the public will decide what your best work is. And so like you doing a book a year, you might do a book and you're like, ah, I don't know, this one's not that great, but, but the audience loves it. I've written, I don't know, probably a hundred plus articles that are out there now. And one or two of them that are the biggest articles I've written to me were like, so bare bones, basic. I'm like, somebody needs to say this, but it's super boring. I do financial strategy for business owners. And I mean, it was basically the idea that you need to systematize saving money. Every time you make a dollar, save 20 cents of it and just set it up as an automatic system. And if you do that, because I've seen thousands of business owners, if you do that, you get wealthier every single month. And if you don't do that, you never get off the financial treadmill. All Every dollar that comes in gets spent, right? And like that one simple thing in that article has been read, I don't know how many, six, seven, 8,000 times now. And to me, it was the most boring article, but I was like, ah important. Somebody's got to say it, but, but I don't think it's my best work. And so like what you're talking about, what I was doing at the time was just showing up and writing the articles and letting the audience decide what was great. So, so I love that because it's based in so many of the things that I've seen to be successful is show up, do the work every day, be consistent and results will come. Yes, absolutely. And again, those go back to the the martial arts lessons and the 
and the value in hard work and the value in just um, you know going even when you don't want to go when it's cold and it's wet outside and, you, and you know, it's lovely and warm in the house and you know you just make yourself go and do it so absolutely yeah so so let me ask you this Matt tell me a little bit about what do you think that you bring uniquely to the martial arts space what what have you done to create a studio that you really feel like is unique and and maybe some of the challenges that have come with that because I know personalizing things and putting yourself out there can be a little scary. Um, yeah, well, there's, there's, again, it's a, it's a, it's not a wake up one day and there it is, boom, fully formed. It's, <laughs> it's something that has, that has appeared over many, many years. So I have my full-time uh, premises. I have a, a number of online courses out. I have subscription groups. I have a large social media following. So there's there's quite a lot out in the world and it is a persona so it's almost like my alter ego if you will so that's sure. um that whole sort of Clark Kent Superman deal um you know I don't honestly believe that I'm a feudal warrior from medieval Japan I mean clearly <laughs> I'm not um, right. but I named I named the gym modern samurai martial arts all those years ago because I had this the premise of I wanted it to represent that it was contemporary it was for now and it was usable, but I also wanted to very much represent my history and and the fact that it was rooted in tradition, which is where the samurai element came from. So that's where the modern samurai itself came from, the logo and the, the overarching sort of theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's really just a, a, a an amalgamation, if you like, of, of what, 35 odd years now of, of training in various arts and traveling yeah. to lots of places and picking things up. And so I've, I, I've done a number of different arts to um, Dan Gray Black Belt Standard. I've got 13 instructor licenses in various uh, qualifications for teaching. I, I deliver license link qualifications in the UK for security personnel, uh, conflict management, control and restraint, all that sort of thing. So so really, it's a, 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 a mash of all of those things put together. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's and then you end up with kind of what what that is that I represent. And, and the reason that that's individual in the space, if you will, is a because I am an individual and I present it in a way that only I do. Um, I'm not better, not worse, but different. I mean, you know, whatever else anyone says about anything you're always going to be the best you there's, there's never sure. going to be anyone else as good as you are at being you. And right. so that's a, that's a real plus for me because that's something that I emphasize. Um, and so there's that side to it, but secondly, there's the, the functionality of it. And that's really where my, where I'm known for is the fact that having spent all of those years in the security field, in the, in the field of, of, of frontline staff and training a lot of frontline people mm-hmm. and having an understanding of the workability of it both from the legal aspects the communication side of things um the, the and all of the stuff that goes with that so so it's really more than just a one particular art one particular skill set it really is that the, the whole sort of journey through and, and the application of it yeah what i what i hear in that too that i think so so important and profound is continuous improvement you're always seeking to make yourself better, whether that's learning how to be instructed, being a better instructor or going back to school or continuing to get all the, you know, 13 certifications is no joke. Like that's not something someone can do even in a decade, I would imagine. So, you know, there's, there's continuous improvement there. Um, Where do you think that comes from? Is that martial arts training? Is that, 
the, you know, where you grew up and how you grew up, just thinking like, I've always got to get better to, to stay ahead. Where, where do you think motivates you to stay so active? Because you, you have a couple of balls in the air and not any of those are small. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I, essentially I like a challenge. I've always liked to challenge and I've always, I don't know whether that's um, maybe I'm wired a little wrong differently I don't know it depends on how you look at it uh, I do tend to think that that people sometimes certain people have an addictive personality now that can be used for good or for bad so when I talk to if I so as an example if I sit and I have a chat with an endurance runner or a an Ironman competitor or something like that a triathlete mm-hmm. almost certainly they are dedicated to the point of addiction yeah 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 and that's kind of what I mean by that and so um, when my father committed suicide, I definitely took the wrong track and I was on the wrong track. I was hanging out with the wrong people. I was making wrong choices. You know, there was mm. uh, way too much partying and drinking going on. And and I was literally digging my own hole. Right. Mm-hmm. And martial arts sort of got me out from that. And so but that that personality, that side of me, which is like I'm whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it 110 percent. There's no there's no middle ground. There's no I'll dip my toe in the water. I'm either in or I'm out. So um, that personality is is one of the things that sort of drives. And 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 so as an example, when I said about the World Championships, I I went with a friend to the nationals, and it was like, well, I'm here, I might as well compete. I competed after not competing for like ten years. Actually, got through to the final, seeded for the uh, for the national team, and I had an opportunity three months later to compete at the worlds. And so it was like, okay, I'm massively out of shape. I'm old now, but (laughs) am I ever going to get this opportunity again? You know, let's, let's do it. Let's run with it. So, Mm -hmm. um, and so essentially that's my view on the world. I, I, I tend to work on the premise that actually if you've got enough energy and enthusiasm and the can do sort of attitude, 99% 99% of the time, it'll, you know, it does kind of work out in your favor. And even if it doesn't work out in your favor in the way you thought it would, it works out in another way in, in some of the guys, you know. Um, I mean, as an example of that, I spent 10 years working for a charity called Stand Against Violence, where I went into schools. We went into lots and lots of schools. I built the self-defense program. We delivered that all over the country. I had a great time doing that. And that is how I met my partner. She came and wrote an article about it. And lo and behold, a few years later, we'd stayed in touch and it blossomed into what we have now. And that was, that's solely on the back of making that choice all those years ago. Wow. Su- super cool. Wow, Matt. So you've got such a great story and and obviously gone through so much, tried so many things. It seems to me like you're a bit of a chameleon, which is great. Although you've had this, this theme of, of the martial arts and, and uh, kind of the, the discipline that comes with that. Uh, I'm sure we could talk for much longer, but alas, we are running out of time here. So I just wanted to ask you to, re, you know, tell people how, if they want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about your courses, your, the things that you're up to in the world, hear more about your story. How do they find you online and, and connect with you? Uh, well, as I uh, said at the start there, there's the usual social media channels. So Facebook, LinkedIn, all the rest of it, obviously TikTok, as you can uh, see there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that any modern samurai of any variation will get you through to most of those or Matt State myself. You can go to any of my websites. So that's uh, modernsamurai.online or authentically.com. So, uh, so that, yeah, lots of different ways to contact me and more than happy to connect and have a chat. I, I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy having conversations, as, as you can probably tell. So and especially under current conditions, I mean, we all uh, it's, it's great to have that stimulation of a conversation with a 
you know, with somebody new and exciting. So by all means, yeah, please come and get in touch. Fantastic. So one last thing that I like to do with guests is I want to give you 30 to 90 seconds to just whether it's related to what we're talking about or not, just to say what you want to say, what you need to say, whatever you think needs to be out there in the world. Cause I think everybody has a voice. You're obviously someone who's been through a lot, seen a lot come out of it uh, in a very good place and has a lot to share. So if you had 30 seconds uh, or so to share with people, what would you say, Matt? Um, probably at the moment, I would probably say with regards to social media and the use thereof. And I would say that it's a absolute miracle that we have this ability to source all this information at our fingertips and connect on a global level. Um, but that is also needs to be weighed up against the fact that just like fire, it can be dangerous if misused. So I would say very much use it and make the most of it and, and reach out and connect with people. And trust me, right, if you're if you're sincere and you genuinely ask people from the right place, they they will give you that information. They will help you. There are people out there that will give you, a, a, you know, a leg up. And it's incredible. The opportunities that are out there is amazing through social media. So I would probably say that. Perfect. Well, I just really appreciate you coming here, sharing all your experiences and wisdom with us. So thanks for being on the show, Matt. But my absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business big life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.